What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Headhunter Hideout. Uh, happy Monday to everybody. I hope your week is starting off well. Uh, super excited to be here today. I have Ron Godier with me, and he is the principal consultant at HireWorks. He has been in the recruitment industry uh, for the past long time. I don't want to get into it, <laughs> but but definitely uh, definitely a valuable resource here. So as a reminder, this is a live interactive show. What does that mean for you guys out there? It means if you've got questions for Ron or myself, type those into the comments. We will get to them. Uh, and then we're also sponsored by Hoxo Media, and they are a global recruitment marketing company uh, that helps recruiters build brands. So Ron, welcome to the show today. It is great to be here with you. How's everything in your world today? Everything is good, man. It's um, uh, it's still uh, we're kind of coming out from under the deep freeze that Chicago had uh, over the last few weeks. I it, I never thought the snow was going to go away until a couple of days ago. We had uh, in my front yard, I had almost two feet of snow, and so it was uh, it was a little crazy. But the uh, temperatures are going back up. Uh, we're capable of having winter weather until June here, so yeah. so it's kind of one of those things where I'm just I'm ready for. Uh, springtime but things are good man it's good to see you thank you so much for having me on today i really appreciate it yeah awesome to have you and i'm i'm local to you as well so i know yep. the feeling Ken when the kenosha right kenosha yep. yep and and i love seeing the sun come into uh i've got like a little back section of my house where i read in the morning and yep. it's great to see the sun coming through so uh feels good about time about time is right so <laughs> hey man I'd, I'd love to uh to, to get into it usually um I like to just start the show with hearing a little bit about uh, the guest story on, on like how you got into recruitment and just running a little bit of a background into how you got started in the industry. Um, and obviously there's a lot to, to how you got to where you are today, but I'd love to just kind of hear how what you're doing today ties into where you started. So how, how did you get started in the industry and, and, and what did things look like? By accident. Uh, that's the that's the quickest answer. I got into this by accident. I had a whole set of other plans uh, for myself. Uh, and um, I got a job. Uh, and as you said, I've been in it a long time. Um, but this was back, I want to say, uh, uh, early 90s. Uh, and I got a job uh, with a medical recruiting company. I was recruiting physicians. Uh, and it's a different kind of recruit because it's really, really uh, super relationship based. It's not transactional at all. Uh, yeah. And the fees don't come quickly, particularly when you're recruiting certain times of doc, uh, certain types of doctors, the process is very long. And it taught me uh, that experience taught me that relationships mattered in every interaction that I had, whether that was uh, with uh, 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 an IT person or whether that was with a CFO, whoever I was recruiting, that connection that I was going to have with them and that ability to develop trust with them uh, was critical uh, to anything that I've ever done. And I've, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have an, an interesting uh, career. Uh, I've worked for the Department of Homeland Security. I've worked for uh, consulting firms. I've been able to lead a couple of different consulting firms over the course uh, of my of my career. And uh, the one thing that has just stuck with me, and the one thing that I try to share with anybody that I work with is. You know, you can automate, you can do a whole bunch of other things in your process. The one thing that machines can't do is tell a story. 
and they don't engender trust. They People will share things with a machine that they may not share with a human being. If you have a bot that sits on top of your career site, uh, they may share things with a bot that they might not share uh, with a human being because of fear of judgment. But that, that bot is not going to be able to tell a story in the same way that you can. Uh, and to me, that ability to storytell, that ability to uh, uh, change the trajectory of someone's life uh, by putting them on a different career path um, uh, has always been, to me, uh, one of the coolest things that you can do. Your, your show is titled The Headhunter uh, or Headhunter, and that's, that's just not a headhunter hideout. That's just not a term that originally was thought of very highly. Uh, people looked at that as almost a derogatory term, right? You're a headhunter. I'd still say they probably do in some ways. Yeah, but, but, see, I think that's, but I think that's wrong. I think a headhunter can be the most noble role, most noble job you could have because you are a trusted advisor. If you do your job right, you're a trusted advisor for that person. Uh, and you are helping change whatever situation it is they want to change, whether that's a boss, change a career, change trajectory, change whatever it is. You can have a pretty... Uh, a significant impact on that. And it's, I, I know it sounds crazy in today's day and age, but it's a very intimate relationship that you have with a candidate when they really trust you. It is, it goes beyond just being a recruiter. Um, and, and to me, that's always been the neatest thing about this job. I don't know if that answered your question or not. I've been at it a long time. I've recruited a lot of different things uh, and have seen uh, the industry change. And, and now I'm in a place where I'd like to be able to, to share some of the lessons, you know, that I've learned over time. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I'd love to get into some of those uh, changes too that you've seen over time. Sure. Um, I, I guess you know from when you started to where you are now. I guess what what's been the biggest change that you've seen in the industry, and how has that impacted your day to day, and how you recruit people, how you go after uh, potential clients? Like, what, what what are some of those changes, and and what are some of those shifts that you've seen? And it could be multiple changes as well over time. Sure. I think it is. Um, when I first started, uh, you know, email and things like that weren't prevalent. Um, you knew about it. You knew it was out there, particularly if you were in what they referred to as data processing uh, back then. You knew things like that were coming, but you didn't actively use them. And so that ability to remove friction from the process through software uh, and through automation over time uh, has made the job easier. It's also, I think, in some ways, made recruiters um, more reactionary uh, uh, in terms of how they deal with open roles, right? Um, when I came up in the industry, you didn't get paid to necessarily, and I, I still think it's the case, you didn't get paid necessarily to fill a specific role. You got paid to have a relationship with a person who could fill that role when it became available. And today, what I think happens, if I look at it, we all kind of, we get an open rec and we want to run. And we want to be able to um, uh, to try to fill it as quickly as we can. And so we send out these messages that are aimed at having someone take the job that we have right now, rather than focusing them on, hey, what is of interest to you? What are the things that matter to you? That proactive recruiting that happens way in advance of a job coming to you. And that's true whether you're internal uh, or external. I've done this throughout my entire career. Um, even when I recruit today, which isn't as much as I, as much as I used to, uh, my work is more advisory now, but when I'm recruiting or doing an executive search, I'm always building relationships with people who I think I might need to know six months or a year from now. And, and when you're 
bogged down and you've got a if you're at an agency on the outside and you've got a boss who's screaming at you, place a person, place a person, place a person, make a commission, or you're internal and you have all of this different um uh, you have all these different steps that you have to go through in order to uh, get a person onboarded into your organization. That can seem like a daunting task, but there are plenty of tools out there. There are plenty of automation tools out there that allow you to make first level connections that generate conversations for you. I think we use the, the technology that we have available to us sometimes in a backward way, right? We want to send out these, these, um, uh, uh, multitudes of emails to get people interested in a particular role uh, rather than you know, than using it to be able to generate and foster relationships that I can then call on later on. To me, that's one of those things that it's kind of the art of recruiting that I don't think we do as well. And I've been guilty of that, you know, as much as anybody. Absolutely. And I see Kevin here as well. Uh, if you don't, if are you connected with Kevin, do you know Kevin? Uh, I, I do not. Well, definitely uh, connect with Kevin. So, okay. but he just said, uh, "I love that distinction, making your your recruiting personalized to the person and not the persona." And and I think, um, I I really like that too. And I like the approach, the long term approach. But I, I think what happens so often is you get into a situation, especially if you're um, in an agency in the agency world, where it's all about the short term and it's all about how much money can you revenue rev re generate in the, the short term. Uh, but in reality, what you're talking about, it's it's a long term play. And I think it's sure. balancing those actions uh, and, and, you know, within that, too, like learning the industry you're in. I think it's, you know, how do you become somebody that's a highly uh, trained consultant and advisor? Uh, the only way you get there is if you understand the industries that you're serving. And if you're able to not only say, hey, I can find you five candidates to fill this role, but you can actually look at the role and maybe suggest a different type of person they should be looking at, or maybe address other needs within the business. And, and that's where you go from a recruiter that's filling seats to a consultant that's adding value and actually giving the owner, the hiring manager you're working with a different view. Um, so I'm, I'm curious too, like you're in an advisory role right now. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that. Like what, what, is what exactly are you doing and what are some of those challenges that you're seeing with clients you're working with? You know, it's it's interesting because anybody who recruits knows this. Uh, everybody hates us until they need us, and then the minute they, the minute we fill a role, they no longer care for us anymore. It's we we are the. If you think about it from a business standpoint, internally, uh, HR is taking a long time to catch up with the rest of the C-suite. They're just now beginning to get a seat at the table, and and part of that was because the rest of the C-suite was really data driven. Right, they were really focused on data and. Uh, uh, HR wasn't necessarily that way that the advent of people analytics and some of the people data that we collect now has changed. And I think as Canada preferences have changed, other C-suite leaders recognize that you have to have a good HR function that helps foster, it doesn't create, but it can help foster uh, a culture that keeps uh, high uh, uh, high value talent in your organization. Um, I think what's, what's interesting when I talk to clients today is that there's a disconnect, um, in terms of what it means to recruit. I have one client, uh, who is 
you know, on fire, has to hire, has to hire, has to hire. And this is a pretty typical story, um, has to hire. And when you tell them on the front, front end, the ramp time to go from zero, no pipeline, no nothing to a hire, I generally tell people if you're good in your industry is 45 to 60 days to finish it, right? Yeah. You actually bring somebody in and finish the deal clients don't hear that. So they think that there's this misconception that talent is just out there. And I think it might be true out there and available. And I think it might be true in some industries. But if you're working in tech, that's not the case. Tech goes fast. Those people have a job offer and they're gone. They have a job offer and they're gone. So your your whatever process you build, internal or external, uh, and what I tell people is, is it has to account for a few things. It has to have speed. There has to be pipeline velocity. Absolutely. It also has to make sure that it is uh, focused on checking the boxes that need to happen internally. And so often, external recruiters and agencies have no idea what's going on internally. They're actually, in my opinion, competing um, uh, values going on. External people want to move, move, move. Internal people want to slow things down because they want to make sure that they get the right hire. And so you end up creating this adversarial relationship where there doesn't need to be one. Right. Um, and, and I think if if agency people would do anything uh, to help or and internal people would do anything, it would be to teach what those disparate parts do. What does an agency person actually do? What are they good at? They are good at relationships. They are good at providing you a person quickly. Right. In most cases, because they've spent time creating relationships. And, and conversely, external people have to understand all of the things that internal folks are up against in order to get somebody through that process. Um, and so when I talk to an agency or I talk to a, uh, uh, to a person or to a uh, company, that's a big part of what we're talking about is understanding who you're dealing with, understanding why they are the way they are. And I would counsel anybody in an agency to begin to think about the value that you really provide for, and this is going to be this is going to uh, upset some folks, but the value that you provide as an external person today is different than it was 20 years ago. What internal teams are bad at almost always is sourcing. That's the biggest weakness that they have because it's time consuming and it's laborious. And external teams are great at it because they're spending time on relationships and their whole job is around sourcing and learning people, sourcing and learning people. And so External firms may have to revalue what they do and the service that they actually provide in order to help reduce some of that friction between those two organizations. Because I don't think you get it done just internal. I don't care what anybody says. I don't think you get it done just internal because there's going to be a time where your team isn't going to have that expertise and you're going to have to go outside. And when you do, that person on the outside needs to be a trusted partner. Otherwise, you end up in this situation where there's a lot of back and forth and friction and animosity or weirdness where there doesn't need to be. Does that kind of answer your question? Yeah. It, I mean, there's so much in there. And, and I think I, one of the, I tend to do that. Man. I'm sorry. I kind of, the, was, you know, so. no, it's, it's, it's great. And I think um, I'm just trying to figure out like where, cause I have a lot of questions from that. So I'd, I'd be curious to hear, I mean, you mentioned that relationship between the third party and the internal um, and it being more of like a confusion between what the roles are right in terms of um, cause I, cause I've also seen like internal recruiters kind of feel like, third-party recruiters might be competition for their own jobs sure. and all, all this type of stuff. So uh, I'd be curious to hear from from your point of view, uh, like where did that come from and how has that developed over time? And like how, I, is, is that just from multiple bad experiences or, or 
it, bad training or just bad, you know, maybe on the, on the side of agency recruiters not doing a great job in knowing their own value. And then the other thing I'd like to touch on is when you said the sourcing piece, can you define what you mean by sure. sourcing and like what that actually means just for anyone who's out there? Sure. Let me, let me start with that. Um, because, um, that's to me, that's an easy one. Anytime you go out and you directly find a candidate, whether that's on LinkedIn, GitHub, I know people who have sourced candidates from Airbnb, uh, from YouTube, you, you have to be creative and you have to go out there and you have to find a candidate. And to me, a direct source is where you go out, you locate a candidate and you bring them all the way from not knowing who you are all the way through the process to where they are. That may not be a, a hire that you actually make, but they actually walk through that process, right? That's a time intensive task. And it's something that we've thrown things like airs, right? Boolean searching, all these other things that are all valuable, um, but internal teams just don't have that kind of time because they have so many other constraints that they have to live up to. There are job specs and process, and this has to be moved on. And external people, external firms work differently. We want these things to go. We want it to move, right? And we're still holding on as an external person to go to the, so the first part of your question. We're still holding on as an external person that we're, what we do is worth 25, 30, 33 and a third percent like it was back in the day. But internal teams have valued that differently now. They look at it differently. Instead of giving them a reason to want to work with me, I'm making it seem like, and I'll give you this example. Um, internal director of talent hunts for a job for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Can't find him. Can't find the candidate. They finally, reluctantly, reach out to a third-party agency, to a firm, and two days later, that person has a candidate, that agency has a candidate. You guys as the internal team end up hiring them and now that team wants $30,000 for that. And to the internal eye, it looks like they worked a very short period of time, right? We've not done a good job as agencies telling people what our service is. And we've held on to this idea that our service is the same as it was 20 years ago. It's not, we're sourcing companies. And that's what, that's what I do in my private practice. I may charge less. I might charge 15, maybe 20% on a gig, but I know I'm going to have multiples of those, right? I know I'm going to have multiples of those. So I'm going to approach the way I put out candidates much differently, the way I talk about my service much differently. It's different in executive search when you jump to that. That is a very labor-intensive retained fee upfront or partial fee upfront kind of service, and people expect to pay for that. But most companies have commoditized agencies to a point where the reason you have all of this animosity is because the agencies haven't caught up to how the internal people are thinking about them and where their real value is. And they're not selling that value back to them rather than saying, hey, you know, I've got this guy. He's worth 30 percent. Hey, I've got thousands of people and I'm able to source them quickly. Is sourcing a problem for you? Boom. It's a whole different company. It's a whole different conversation. When we, uh, when my company puts in contract recruiters in places, a lot of times we'll pair them up with a sourcer, and the contract recruiter will go away, but the sourcer stays. Why? Because that internal that internal function isn't as developed as it is in some external firms. Does that answer? Your it question? does. It, it it does. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. I wanted to take a moment to introduce my sponsor, Huxo Media are the world's leading content marketing agency for the recruitment industry. 
They're currently working with over 250 recruitment agencies that includes 3,000 recruitment consultants across the world. They help them build LinkedIn brands that open up more opportunities by following a proven methodology daily. In 2021, the hugely successful Huxo Academy is changing. They have launched an eight-week personal brand program, which you can roll out across your whole business. The Academy is aimed at helping traditional recruiters that rely on outbound calls to attract candidates and clients. Those who often lack the knowledge of how to use LinkedIn for anything other than posting jobs and in-mails. They struggle with both the ideas and the confidence when it comes to producing relevant content. Post-COVID-19, we all know that the world is truly digital. The modern recruiter needs to have a unique and consistent LinkedIn presence that offers value to their community and drives opportunities inbound. The Huxo Academy helps every recruiter in your agency achieve this in eight weeks, enrolling a new cohort of training at the start of each calendar month. For the first 50 customers of 2021, they are offering you the chance to enroll unlimited users onto the program for 12 months at no extra cost. So you have 50 or 500 consultants now, or you plan to hire more throughout the year, you can rest assured that they will get all the training they need to build a brand that wins business on LinkedIn. Please click the link attached to this episode or DM me on LinkedIn to find out how your agency can join the program. If you've been in this academy, please add in some information about your experience. We'd love to hear from you and why you chose to partner with us as you truly believe in the impact it can have in the way that modern recruiters work. I want to just get to a couple of comments here that we have. So uh, we got privacy setting on here and I'm not on the live, so I'm not sure exactly who this was, but it just says, thank you for the reminder on the pipeline versus Rex. I needed to hear this today. Uh, No worries there. And then Robert said, today we're needing new types of teammates that simply can't have experience in education for a new ice breaking role. I'd love to love to kind of get into that a little bit more, Robert, if you can elaborate. You said new types of culture. So not fully following that. Um, Kevin just says, yes, thank you. Communication amongst the team is so key. And then having a bias for action and delivering results for customer obsession. Nicely put. Um, Robert said, personalize, don't disguise, teach someone with passion. Experience is a plus, but I think there's a lack of passion. Invite partnership and involvement. Completely agree. And then uh, Lisa just says, as for searching on LinkedIn, there needs to be a better training or teaching of using keywords. I find keywords that people are searching on have nothing to do with my background. For example, people have used the term doctor, whether it's not in my background. In- interesting point there. And I think, you know, that it's part of, that's part of sourcing, right? It's, is knowing. Sure. And that's, that's why time consuming because there's a lot of data out there. And I think it, it's funny because it, it, I've heard people sell on the database, right? Like, oh, we've got a great database. Data is not the issue. I mean, you don't need a database. I can go out in 10 minutes and create a database of a thousand people sure. relatively quickly. The key is finding the right people and finding that and it's sifting through the data. So, and it's understanding, it's understanding what your client's needs are and then being able to translate that and look at profiles. I, I, Joel, I don't know if you're this way, but when I sit down and recruit, I tell my clients on the front end, I'm going to give you two, maybe three people but they're going to be dead on hits and you're going to have an opportunity to choose from those two or three. And at that point it becomes a, uh, it becomes a culture fit, right? Is this person a, a culture add or are they a culture subtract? What I tell my clients all the time is, you know, there's a few things you need to do in order to be able to 
attract the kind of people that you want and build high performing teams. Number one, you need to understand what your culture really is and you have to be able to communicate it, right? Culture doesn't happen because you've got, as a good friend of mine would say, a ton of LaCroix in the kitchen. It happens by, by based on the things- Ping pong tables. So. Exactly, football, <laughs> right? But, it's, but, it, but culture is really about the behaviors that you reward, right? That's mm -hmm. really what it is. If you tell somebody my culture is this, this, and this, but you reward something totally different, you will lose that high performer because they don't feel what you told them was accurate. And secondly, when we talk to candidates, we need to be able to have a conversation with them that it goes beyond personalized, right? When I recruit, the first thing I do to, the, to I forget who you said it was on the keywords uh, on LinkedIn. I agree with that 100%. That's why most candidates uh, hate talking to recruiters because we talk to them, not everybody, but a lot of recruiters will talk to them based on a keyword that they see that really has nothing to do. It's out of context and has nothing to do with that person. But my first step in recruiting is to make connections with people that seem to fit the rack. I use some different tools that allow me to, to automate part of that process. And I'll go out and I'll find 100 or 150 people who I think fit with a particular wreck that I'm working on, and then I'll send them connection requests, right? Because, uh, because number one, LinkedIn doesn't ding me on messages. If you've got LinkedIn recruiter and they don't respond, you get dinged on a message. Well, in this way, I'm sending a connection request. It allows me to go around that mechanism a little bit. And those people who, who connect with me know I'm recruiting. And they'll even say, hey, it's great to connect. I'm not looking right now. Or, hey, it's great to connect. I am looking right now, right? And now they're coming to me and I haven't even pitched them a job yet. And then yeah. I'll say something to them like, well, hey, why don't we get together and talk and see what it is you want to do and how you want to do it. If what I've got matches, great. If it doesn't, that's okay too. But that's that relationship. I'm not forcing them any, to do anything. I often say that when recruiters will tell me I'm getting horrible response rates, I'm like, it's your fault. It's your fault because your messages are crappy and you're not looking at what the person is doing or where they've been, or you're immediately asking them to take a job that they know nothing about. You're pitching this job, pitching this job, pitching this job. Imagine if you were walking down the street and somebody came up to you, Joel, with an umbrella and they said, hey, man, I've got this great umbrella. You should buy it. Well, don't you kind of turn and walk away from them, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I don't know you, man. Why would I buy an umbrella from you? First of all, I don't need an umbrella right now, right? It's kind of like hundred percent. No, I, I like I really like that approach, and I think, um, you know, one one of the things that that I think we all fall in we all fall into that trap at times, and and it's sure. but again, it, I would I would just drive back to, you know, are you working in a place that celebrates short term victories and that's it, or are you working somewhere that appreciates and wants short term wins because that's how you bring in revenue, but also understand also understands the long game perspective, and I think. You know, what happens is, is you have KPIs on one side. Everyone's got KPIs. So you've got the internal sure. person that has KPIs. They've got the hiring manager that's breathing down their back. Then they're communicating that with the third-party recruiter. The, the third-party recruiter's got the owner or the manager writing them for KPIs as well. And everybody is trying to perform. Uh, but what that can produce ultimately for the candidate is just a commoditized experience. They feel sure. like, man, like, do you even care about me? Or, or, or am I a good fit for this? Um, and it's hard to be a trusted advisor when that's the, when that's the experience that you have. So um, sure. I, I, I love that. So I'm, I'm curious about um, intelligent. I know we haven't talked about this and, and uh, it's, it's something that you're creating a community uh, for recruitment leaders and 
uh, people who are who are looking to better themselves in the recruitment world. So why don't you share a little bit about that community and what you're doing? I'd, I'd love to hear about that. Sure. And thanks for the opportunity to talk about it. So, and by the way, I'm excited to have you as one of our, uh, one of our contributors. I know uh, you're very, uh, a very thoughtful guy and I'm looking forward to hearing what, uh, what you're able to add. Um, Intelligent is really a community that is designed to bring four particular groups together, the C-suite, HR leaders, talent leaders, and agency uh, 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 recruiters and leaders out there. And the reason that I want to do that is I think it takes those four groups to really solve the talent equation. We've, we've seen what happens when, you know, there's, there's the ongoing talk about, you know, STEM jobs and how it's hard to get people for those roles. We have groups like girls who code, uh, and all of these things that, that are designed to engage people in technology jobs or, uh, or in, uh, 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 STEM careers, but recruiting suffers the same problems regardless of which industry you're in. It doesn't matter if you're recruiting um, uh, customer service people for an insurance organization. Oh, the sound just went out. Can you can you hear me? Okay. I think that was me. Can you hear me? Yeah, can hear you. Okay, sorry about that. I, okay. I actually hit my cough button. I think is what. <laughs> <laughs> so so where did I where did I leave off there? Uh, I I heard. I think. Uh, like you're just talking about how the difficulty with like sure, the stem sure. rolls and uh, yeah. So, so basically what happens is, uh, in my opinion, is that recruiting is the same across every organization. It doesn't matter what you're recruiting. The problems and challenges that you run into are very similar. Uh, agencies in many industries function exactly the same way. And leaders of manufacturing think about talent the same way that leaders of IT do. And sometimes that is that it's easier uh, to acquire talent than it really is. Intelligent is going to be a community that's designed to have a conversation across those groups to be able to try to actually for once figure out how we can all work together uh, to address the challenges that each one of us has uh, in recruiting. So often, uh, HR is the redheaded stepchild of recruit of, of business, right? And recruiting is the redheaded stepchild of the redheaded stepchild, right? <laughs> we don't, we don't get any, uh, nobody really thinks about us. I, I shouldn't say nobody really thinks about us. People hadn't really thought about us much uh, until the last few years as candidate preferences began to change as the way people were going to work began to change as the future of work was really crawling across the horizon. And what happened in 2020, and that's really the impetus behind Intelligent, is that we were all forced to work in a different way. Onboarding is different. Hiring is different. How do we do these things? How do we tackle these problems? How do we get out and talk to people about an opportunity in Chicago when they live in Omaha? And that takes agencies and good relationships all the way around. And that's the whole focus of Intelligent. So there's going to be some interesting things uh, there. There will be uh, a job a board that will have jobs that are really highly curated uh, in talent and in HR. And I don't want just your average everyday uh, HR job. I'm looking for those things that are unique and interesting and where people can really make a difference. There'll also be a forum, uh, Reddit style, without all the karma points, so you can comment and get in immediately. Uh, there will be uh, a regular news section uh, around uh, business news and how that affects uh, recruiting talent, unemployment. There'll be some technology sections in there that allow you to get into uh, AI and bots and things that can make your job a little bit easier. Then there are two other sections. One is called Voices, uh, and those are blogs. 
uh, from thought leaders like Lou Adler, uh, who you had on here, Craig Fisher uh, from Allegis Global, yourself. Uh, we have the uh, head of uh, diversity for BMO Harris Bank uh, is one of our contributors, the former editor of rollingstone.com and a really, really thoughtful uh, guy who owned a branding company uh, will be one of our contributors. And we have people who are at that level and then people who are newer in their career because I don't think it's always uh, guys like me who've been around for, you know, however many years uh, <laughs> who have who have the best ideas. I think you have to hear from people who are at different stages in their career. Um, and then last but not least, there's going to be an area called visuals. And visuals are podcasts like this, lives like this uh, from around the world of recruiting where people can get in and have a resource to be able to go in and go, wow, Joel covered this topic. I want to go watch this. And it's all in one place, right? Uh, and it allows people <clears throat> to get in and be able to access information from people who are thought leaders in the space, but also from their peers in real time through the forum if they want to do that. So we're excited. We launched March 19th, which I know it's a Friday. Uh, there's a reason for that. Um, as long as it's not Friday the 13th. No, 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 dude. I was born on Friday the 13th. It's not, no. Not, <laughs> yeah. but, but, um, uh, but we're launching on a Friday, uh, Friday, March 19th. We're excited. Um, uh, our job board, for those of you who maybe have HR openings out there or talent openings that you'd like to get on there, we're not charging at the beginning. I'm not looking to monetize this. This is truly an opportunity for us to have a conversation as professionals who go through the same things every day. Not a, pardon my French, not a bitch fest, but a way for us to actually sit down and solve the problem. How do we get to that place? How is it that, you know, that some recruiters can pick up the phone and call the CEO of a company and he's not offended or she's not offended, but others can't get to that place, right? We need to train everybody. Everybody needs to be a part of solving this. And we need to understand as externals, we need to understand the business ramifications of a hire. And as internal people, we need to understand what agencies are really good at and how we can help them mold their service to actually be the partner that we need them to be. I, I love that. And I'm, I'm all about building community. You know, that's one of the big things that I've tried to do, even just with LinkedIn. Sure. Like I, I look at it. And you've done a great job too, by the way. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And I, I think, you know, there's, there's this new app out, obviously Clubhouse, which has been getting a lot of um, press as well. And I think a lot of people have different views on like how they could use stuff like that. But at the end of the day, for me, um, it's about building those communities. It's about supporting one another. And it's really about providing spaces for people to learn and, and grow. And uh, to your point, you know, one of the interesting things that I, I try and coach people on, especially recruiters who are, who are less experienced in recruitment is the fact that there's still creativity and there's still things that they can bring to the table. So I love that you have that approach. And I think one of the things that can be really intimidating, and this is speaking from somebody who, you know, I only started creating content 18 months ago and I was about five years into my recruitment career, uh, 10 years into my overall career. But at that point I could have sat back and gone, you know what, what do I have to offer right now? But the reality is, is there's creativity, there's experiences that we all have. And so in these communities, for those that invest into it and those that are going to invest time, uh, you get a lot out of it. So I, I I love it. And I think right now creating those spaces is is just huge in general. Mm -hmm. um, I'd, I'd, I'm curious, like in terms of like the future of, of recruitment um, and with all the changes that we've seen in, in, in culture as well. Mm -hmm. One of the things, you know, that I'm seeing a lot of companies invest in is, you know, on, especially on the tech side, um, like I just spoke to someone who's created a platform where 
contract recruiters can get in contact with uh, companies and they're, they're making it easier and they're creating a platform for, for that. Um, what, you know, as far, as far as like the full desk contingent recruiter, and I know this is, is, is always controversial, but what are your thoughts with that role? And like, where do you see that role coming in? Is it always going to be like that? Or is technology somehow going to eclipse and kind of provide a better way to do things? I'm, I'm curious to get your take on that. It's a really interesting question and you will almost assuredly upset people who have been in the industry for years and years and years when you start talking about how their role is going to change. And and part of the, it goes back to what we were talking about before. Part of the reason that I think you have this relationship between external firms and, and uh, internal uh, recruiting teams is that <clears throat> external firms just haven't advanced in the way that they think about providing services. In my opinion, I'm sure I'm going to upset somebody out there, but it, but it's my opinion. Um, I think that you know, you're going to see a time when um, external firms are going to be forced to reevaluate and retool the services that they provide. Fees have gone down and down and down. And the reason fees have gone down, with the exception of uh, executive search, and even that has, has seen some, that market's seen some compression, a little bit of commoditization, but not anything like uh, what you see uh, in direct contingent search. Um, fees have gone down because people value that service less. They don't need a recruiter. That, that whole function was there because internal people didn't have recruitment teams and now they have them. But I like to think that the thing that internal teams do best is function as brand ambassadors. They are phenomenal at selling their own opportunity internally and building a relationship. And I would say if there's going to be a change, uh, software will continue to, reduce the amount of work that an external person does. But if you're a great, if you have great sourcing skills and you can build relationships and you can get your head around the idea that your fees are going to continue to come down, meaning you have to do, you have to have more transactions, you have to do more work, but you can still make the same money. Yeah. It's not ideal. It's not the way that most people like myself who grew up in the business think about doing it. But, but honestly, if I have a choice, if this is what I've done and it's what I love to do, I'm going to spend my time sourcing. I'm going to spend my time building those relationships that I can then take and market to companies or, or offer them a sourcing service. Hey, I'll be your outside sourcer. You've got a, a run that you need some time on. I can do it in an hourly or I can do it in a fee. Which would you prefer? Which suits your budget better? We have to get more and more creative externally. Um, I don't think that the, that the contingency recruiter role will go away in the next 10 or 12 years, but I think it's going to morph pretty dramatically. Hmm. And I think those companies that will not change to meet what the market is asking you and still continue to be upset that companies only want to pay 10 or 15%, they're going to get left behind. Those That business is going to go away because the candidate preferences are changing and company preferences in terms of how they're how they're attacking talent, how they're thinking about going at it are changing pretty rapidly. Got it. Well, I don't know. If I, that uh, helps or not. No, that, that helps a ton. I, I just always think like, I mean, that, that, that to me is like why at the end of the day, building a brand, building a valuable brand that people see and people see value in will always, you know, people are always willing to pay more if they see the value that you bring. So the better, better storytelling you are in terms of, Hey, this is why you need to work with me. This is what's sure. unique. 
Uh, I think it's it's changing that value proposition. Like obviously saying you have a database, if that's what you're selling on, I can, you can still sell on like relationships because obviously relationships and data are two separate things. Sure. But I think you have to, you know, when I look at someone like Lou Adler, who we mentioned earlier, the reason he's done so well is because people want to work with Lou Adler. They want to work with the brand that he's created. And so they see value in that brand. So they'll pay a premium. If you're, if you're somebody who is well known in your industry and you've been doing it for 15 and 20 years, people will still pay that premium, but you've got to think, what about somebody who's starting out right now? They've got zero to two years experience. What are, what, what are they selling? Like what value are they selling on? Um, and, and how are they actually differentiating themselves? And so I, I love that you brought that up and I, I can definitely see that, that happening. I, I want to get to a couple of these comments real quick sure. too. Sure. Um, so Kevin, he just says, uh, that's why I say create content. So yeah, hundred percent. Right. And we were just talking about the connect button that you were talking about earlier mm -hmm. as well. Carol says, Joel, thanks for hosting Ron today. Great content. Carol, always good to see you. Looking forward to having you on the show. Robert says, I, I feel literally that HR should be a position for the company morale back of house. Best managers for a business is the one that links everything through communication and mediation. The ambassador for people, correct. And he just said, you're exactly right. Um, he says, just like Jesus is our ambassador, he pleads our case to God. We need to hire like Jesus. Fair <laughs> point there. And, uh, uh, people will fall in love with a multifaceted welcome family brand. Sure. Um, and, and you know, that's an in interesting point too. And I think the employer brand, you know, if it's becoming more and more important, I see um, LinkedIn has actually introduced new features on their company page, mm -hmm. which are a lot more company centric. Like and they're encouraging people to do stories, you know, the behind the scenes of the company, which behind the scenes is the people there's a lot more emphasis on employees and like, who are you as a company? And I like those changes, but you know, those changes on a, on a platform don't mean anything. It's like, as a company, you need to realize like your brand is your people. Your culture is your people. Like you said, it's what you celebrate. It's who you are. And I think brands that get a hold of that are going to do well. So um, yeah, if I add, if I add of course, of quick. course. Um, you were talking about brand. I think brand is super important, uh, but I think you can spend thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars creating a brand. And yet, if you devalue the role of the recruiter, who's the first person, anybody who talks to your company is going to talk to in most cases, and you haven't properly gotten them up to speed about who we are, what we do, how we do it, and why we do it, the business reason for why we do it. We send recruiters out, external and internal, on these hunts. We say, okay, we need, uh, we need this uh, Ruby on Rails guy, right? But we don't tell them what the critical thing is going to, what's not going to happen if we don't hire that person. We never have that conversation. We never arm them with that kind of urgency. We just tell them, go, 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 go. Rather okay. than actually making them a business partner and and making sure that they understand not only what this person is going to add, but what happens if we don't get this done. Some level of of uh, of an, of um, focus on what they're doing, and we need to do the same thing with our external partners. We need to be able to say to them, "Look, if we don't get this done, here's what happens." And I'm leaning on you now. We're going to continue working, but I'm leaning on you now to help me make this happen. You know, and then that person on the outside needs to be able to, you know, at, at some point. I think one of the things outside people often get dinged for is that you need to have the integrity to say as an outside recruiter, you know what, I'm, I'm, that's not my specialty. I can't do that. I can't help you with that. 
because so often we'll take a job because we think, oh, maybe I'll luck into it, right? Maybe I'll figure it out. And that's just not what happens. Successful recruiters focus in particular areas. They're either technology or accounting or whatever. And they know everybody there is to know in those spaces. And if you're a recruiter out there taking a job outside of your specialty and you don't deliver, it's not just that you missed a fee. It's that that, that particular company is now going to remember forever you didn't deliver. That's exactly 100%. what they're going to think. And you have to think that way. Sometimes you're better served just, just walking away. So the riches are in the niches. That's what one of my sure. managers taught me. I like and that. that. Was That's the, awesome. That's and, awesome. And, and, and by the way, she was a, um, she specialized in roofing, like commercial roofing, and she's wow. billing over half a million dollars a year. So the riches That's were cool. in the niches for her. And she's like, just known in that industry. And, uh, but it's, it's to your point, you know, like building a brand, like I'm all about building a brand, but it's all about executing in real life as well. So if you, if you build a great brand, everybody knows who you are, but you can't execute, then everyone's going to know you can't execute, which is And terrible. not executing becomes your brand, right? That <laughs> yes. becomes your brand, whether you want it to or not. Which is a bad, that's not bad. what, that's not what you want. So, and that's, that's why I tell people like a lot of, uh, a lot of the recruiters who are out there who are really experienced. It's like the people, everybody in the industry knows them, but where the branding comes in, it's top of mind. And um, you've got people that you've placed 10 years ago and you get in front of them and they're like, oh my gosh, what, you know, like I got to give Ron a call. I, I just saw his video. And, uh, and so actually you can build a powerful brand. It's particularly if you've got a powerful brand in the real world too, it's taken sure. it online. So um, let's see, Scott just says, you've touched on some different aspects. I really love to hear you see different in the market today compared to the pre-COVID market from the perspective of the candidate, the employer. Man, that is a whole, whole um, conversation within itself. I know we... I usually like to keep the show to about 45 minutes and we're coming to the end here. So Scott, I, I would encourage you reach out to Ron, reach out to myself and we can sure. have this conversation uh, as well. And I know Ron's going to be putting out a ton of uh, content as well. Um, one, thing, one thing real quick on that. Yeah. If I can just, uh, Go just ahead. To throw it out there. I know you want to wrap this up um, and I'm watching the clock. Uh, the biggest change will be candidates. Um, watch what's happening. Uh, this took what was thought of as the gig economy 2020 and accelerated it. The number of people who want to go back to offices is dwindling fast because they know they can work in this. What will be the biggest challenge is employers understanding how to give candidates flexibility to live their life and do their job. And that means flex hours and working, maybe four day work weeks because productivity is up. There's a whole bunch. So Scott, if you'd like to have another discussion, please feel free to reach out to me on, on LinkedIn. I'd love to, that's one of my favorite subjects to talk about. Yeah, definitely. Everybody who's out there, reach out to Ron on LinkedIn uh, and this new community, which he's starting as well. I'll be kicking off in, on, in March. So definitely follow him, connect with him. If you've got questions, message, I know a couple of people are asking for advice for candidates as well. I know Ron puts out a ton of content as well. So uh, reach out. Uh, Ivana, great to see you, Robert, uh, Scott. Um, we've got Carol, Kevin, everybody who commented. We really appreciate that. That's what makes these shows great is the interactiveness. Um, Ron, I like to close out the show. Um, by just sharing, like if you if you were to give advice to somebody that's starting either a new agency uh, or has started in the last year or they're new in a recruitment, what's that one tip that you would have for them to be successful in going forward in 2021 and, and beyond? Oh, it just is this is that me? Hold on. Can you hear me? 
I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. I don't know what's going on over here. My advice would be be a human. Uh, I had a boss once who told me when you're a commissioned salesperson, which is what is the case in most of these environments, he told me to take a $100 bill and put it in my wallet. And then once I had that in my wallet, no matter what happened in any transaction, I knew I had money. Whatever your mental, mental thing is to get past the idea of thinking about fees, do that. But most importantly, be a human, be a human to your candidates, be a human to your clients, and always try to do what's in their best interest, even if that means giving up a fee, and you'll be surprised how successful you'll be. I love that. And as you can see, I'm the human headhunter, so I'm <laughs> all about being I'm oh, sorry human. about my sound, man. I, don't, I have no, like, no idea what's going on. I don't oh, know. Good. Oh, good. Oh, good. Now, so. that's, the, that's the joy of the live show. I mean, I've sure. had... The first two live shows of this season, we had dogs running in the background. So, and I was on a puppy this weekend. So, uh, missing yeah. out then. We need to yeah. bring the puppy on stage. I thought about it. I thought about it, but she's she's eight weeks old and a wiggle worm. So, yeah, what she, what kind of what kind of puppy did you? She's get? okay. So it's a true pure designer dog. She's a Pomsky. She's all white Pomeranian and uh, nice. husky mix with these bright, bright blue eyes. She's just. She's just a ball of energy, man. And my my fiance and I, we just love her to death. She's just great, great dog. Awesome. I'll have her on next time if we ever do this again. Yeah, yeah. No, I was going to say, you should do a whole uh, spotlight session uh, for Intelligent. Do <laughs> her, her own Instagram and Snap. Be the, be the best. Uh, exactly. Well, hey, what, what's the best people? Uh, sorry, what's the best way that people can reach you? You can find me on LinkedIn. It's really, really easy. Uh, I think I'm the only one there. I'm with a company called Hireworks, H-I-R-E-W-E-R-X, or you can email me at ron.godier, G-O-D-I-E-R, at intelligent.com, I-N-T-A-L-E-G-E-N-T.com. And I'd love to hear from anybody who wants to connect. Well, I will tag Ron in this post once I go back and edit it, because StreamYard doesn't allow me to tag off LinkedIn. But it's been an honor. It's been a pleasure to have you here. And I, I appreciate the conversation. Yeah. It always flies by super quick I too. So I know. I've got to figure out a way to slow down time <laughs> with these. But I uh, appreciate everybody out there as well. Uh, we will be back next Monday with another guest. So stay tuned for that. And if you guys aren't uh, following Ron or myself on LinkedIn, do that. I'm also running daily sessions on Clubhouse too. And so you can go find me on Clubhouse, Joe Lalji. My handle is LinkedIn Legend. Because um, if I if you type in LinkedIn, I'm like the third person that shows up. But uh, feel free to check that out, guys. We'll be back next time. And Ron, appreciate it again. Thank Look forward so to connecting again in the future. Take Thank care, you. brother. All right, take care now.